Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And it's time for us to shoot the flames like we do at the start of every month. And this is a special month for all of us and our devoted listeners because officially it's spooky season. That's right. It's October. Time to celebrate all things horror and horror adjacent and everything in between. And more in the pool season. Oh, pool season. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you left us too quickly yes. we should have a wake outside the pool and like <laughs> just really mourn it's passing for the year but yeah aside from pool season man uh can we talk about midnight mass for a minute yeah we kicked off spooky season with a really great piece of entertainment that's right um, from one we, of our favorite directors for sure and i you know that we were already looking forward to midnight mass and we both devoured it as quickly as possible after its release on Netflix. Yeah, I didn't plan on binging it, actually. Right. It was kind of a, I figured I'd see it within the first few weeks of its release. But I ended up seeing it not on Friday when it released, but on uh, Monday. And I stayed up until like 2 a.m. finishing it because it was so binge worthy and I hadn't even planned on binging it. And my uh, husband is not a binger. He is, he is not a binger like me. And uh, he was just like, keep playing it, keep playing it. So, well, I'm not a binger either. You know what I mean? Like even for like the, the, the two haunting seasons, right? I watched them over a series of days. It, even in Hill House, I think like a week, right? Even though I loved it so much. But yeah, I like I was I happened to be on vacation that week and I sat down and watched it the Friday it came out and I just like plowed right through it because I just had to, you know? Yeah, it was so good. I would put it on equal footing or near equal footing with uh, Haunting of Hill House. Um, Better than Bly, though, in my opinion. I agree. And I feel like we'll be talking about this movie more in depth later on. Oh, we have to. There's so much more like to deep dive than even his other any almost anything he's ever done. Right. And and actually, this is one of the first things that he wanted to do. This is actually his first pitch to Netflix and a number of other uh, networks, actually, uh, to do is like a first series before he ever even thought of doing haunting of hill house well he's but been they dropping midnight it. mass like crazy i mean because like in hush that that woman the author wrote a book called midnight mass and in gerald's he, game yeah. midnight mass is on the shelf you know what i mean the like, only thing yeah the only thing that changed because he's had this script he's wanted it he's shopped it around and he just couldn't do it no one was gonna buy it and then haunting of hill house was a surprising success which built his career you know, as well as Oculus and a number of other things. But really, it was Haunting of Hill House that really got him that deal with Netflix, you know. And so he's finally able to do it with a lot more creative control. And the only thing that was added, I think, um, was the whole oil spill thing that they talk about in it. Oh, and even that's just like some random. Like, because they couldn't have extras supply. in the town because of oh. because this was filmed during the pandemic and the, and the lockdown. So and he wrote a he famously kind of wrote an essay on uh, Bloody Disgusting about the production of it and how amazing the production was and how like a family they all are. And, and it was the best production he's ever done and how he's so proud of it. It was so personal. So I don't know. It's uh, it's chock full of Stephen King. I feel like I watched every single Stephen King movie. Yes. With, you know, with a dash of exorcist and like the purge, there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. There's a lot of layers too. you know, symbolism and things that, and story structure symbolism that you kind of think about. It's, it's a lot of unpacking happening after you watch it, which I love. I love to do that, which is why I'm one of the the small merry band of people that really loved the Green Knight, (laughs) because there's a lot of unpacking happening, which I've already seen again, by the way. 
Did you really watch it again? Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I showed it to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot to unpack in that too. I, I loved Midnight Mass. I thought it was great. I do want to talk about it more at length, you know, but here's, I've been seeing things online throughout like horror social media and most people don't seem to like it. They keep calling it boring and they keep trashing the monologues. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, like, I don't want to be that person online and say you're wrong. I mean, everyone's opinion is their own and that's perfectly fine. But I'm like, they were like, I stopped at episode two. And I'm like, no, no, don't do no. that. <laughs> look, look, popularity breeds contempt, you know? So we we know that, right? Popularity yeah. always breeds contempt. But it's got a very high rating on Rotten Tomatoes and Letterboxd, which is filled with people like you and me that want to shit on movies. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, it's always like, I want to say movies are almost like half a star to a full star lower than you'd see on other review platforms, right? Yep. Letterbox is for movie fanatics and the critics and amateur critics. And it has a 4.1 right now, or last I looked, which is very high for Letterboxd, right? There was people just singing the praises all day and night on there. You know, so if you look at the aggregates, most people really, really love this. And that's a good thing because I mean, it's, it's enjoyable for multiple people. The people that want to look at it all just on its surface are entertained. And the people that really want to dig deep a little bit for and think about the themes and the symbolism in there, you know, there's a lot to, to mine there. So it's it's really good experience on, on multiple levels. Yeah, I think that we have a lot to say. And of course, we <clears throat> we also have deep dived the last two long format shows that Flanagan have put out and, you know, his movies. So, <clears throat> I mean, we can either do this as a deep dive episode or we can like, add it into the hot takes. I'm kind of like waffling between like what it should be. I yeah, kind either of way, like we'll continue this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it deserves its own episode, though. So, I mean, maybe like stay tuned for that. Everybody. Yeah, we'll just continue the tradition of, you know, kind of deep diving, having its own solid hot take. This is enough there to talk about. And in the meantime, if you've watched Midnight Mass, always let us know what you think about it. That's right. Oh my God, Robert. Yes. We got a review from Canada. Canada, finally. Oh, Canada. <laughs> well, tell me, what did this person from Canada have to say? Well, Hello Spiral gave us a review that said, Love it. Super fun and interesting deep dives into current and classic horror movies. Chris and Robert will keep you up to date on news, trailers, and releases. Great production values with superb sound and theme music. But the real star of the show is the beautiful friendship between the hosts. Two big sweeties laughing through every episode. Aww. We have them all fooled. (laughs) (laughs) We secretly hate each other. That's right. (laughs) We dread recording every fucking time. (laughs) No, seriously, though, when I read this review, I brought a little tear to my eye. Yeah, I got a little. Yeah, I got a little verklempt. I know. But they called us big. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also accurate. But whatever. It's fine. That was making me cry, too. (laughs) It really made me start an exercise program. (laughs) No, we really enjoyed that review. We're always happy to get them. And if you feel so inclined to leave us one, if you like this episode or any other episode that we've done, head over to Apple Podcasts in any country. Leave us a five-star review, and we're going to read that on the next Shooting the Flames. So thank you, Hello Spiral. Yes. We also got some comments, a lot of comments, actually, on our episodes. And we're going to start with our deep dive into The Faculty. And Bennett over on Patreon said, So, I've listened to a number of horror podcasts covering this film, but no one, no one, has answered the biggest mystery in it. What's up with Fuck You Boy and Fuck You Girl? Seriously, what the fuck? And that's what they're actually called in the credits, too. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this, uh, the teenage, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, theoretically, just arguing every chance they get and just like really dramatically, like Jerry Springer style almost. And she slaps him. Yeah, she does. I just think it's meant for, you know, slight dramatic comedic effect, you know. I'm not looking well, for death also, in a Robert Rodriguez movie. <laughs> I mean, one usually doesn't. But, I mean, it also shows, you know, the the vast change between the kids once they're infected with the parasite, right? Because they're, like, lovey-dovey and holding hands afterwards. So, fuck you, yeah. boy. Fuck you, girl. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think we caught that. We just didn't really talk about it. I don't know that it needed to be talked about, really. Aside yeah. from that credit, it's funny. but It's a funny mystery, but it's not. I don't think it's really a mystery. It's just, you know, window dressing. Yeah, it's just a funny casting name. Yeah. Oh my God, we got a voicemail. Oh, from who? From Kimberly. And this was also about our episode on the faculty. Hey, Kimberly. You guys never fail to make me snort laugh almost every episode. Uh, touching Mrs. Tingle sounds like the porn version of teaching Mrs. Tingle. Yeah, so do with that what you will. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> honestly i got uh, no like matt asked me immediately after listening to that episode if it, that was planned like and i was like no i literally just said touching the stingle <laughs> i didn't even think it was funny at the time i didn't either really i mean because I, I corrected you and then when i was listening to the episode after you edited it i was just like oh my god that's fucking hilarious <laughs> like i died so apparently it's like the standout moment of the entire episode and we didn't even know it <laughs> I may I may have also snort laughed Kimberly when I heard it and I was there for the original like vocalization of it. So it's really funny. You're a comedian. You just didn't know it. Yeah. And from our shooting the flames episode from September, Bennett on Patreon said, Hey, tired Queens. Thanks for answering my millions of comments and questions, as well as a gazillion voicemails, even though they were embarrassingly long next time I'll stick to brevity and keep them shorter for you. Part of me also wants to apologize for making Robert act like a dancing monkey. So I would donate more (laughs) to you guys on Patreon. But another part of me is a sassy bitch who doesn't care and decided to upgrade to a film sparker membership after hearing him throw lines from Carrie at me. Sorry. And you're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> no need to apologize i mean <laughs> and thank you <laughs> and thank you really i uh i will throw lines at you no matter what you want just tell me what you want to hear i'll do it i mean <laughs> i'm a dancing monkey i can do it <laughs> like i said at the time nothing says thank you like dollars in the waistband that's right next time i'll wear something more appropriate for you to slip that dollar in there <laughs> From our deep dive into Terminator 2, Nikki over on Patreon said, Great recap, guys. Hubby, oldest son, and I enjoyed the watch. The effects definitely aged well. I feel like we need to watch the other sequels, but I don't remember any of them, although I'm sure I watched them when they first came out. I think Joe Morton's performance was great in this movie. Mr. Morton is a national treasure who doesn't get his due. The death scene was perfect. And how. Like... He was so well cast, and well, the whole movie was well cast. But he was like really, really good. Agreed, one hundred percent. And I love that death scene. Like he just does it so well. There's so many times you watch a movie and it seems over the top, right? And this was kind of over the top too. A lot like that movie was in general. But I mean, like dropping bombs and like making things explode when you're dying, and just like it was just so good. So we well, it was a meaningful death and multiple facets, right? Because the dropping of his arm blows up the building, like uh, completes the mission. As well as thematically, you know, where he came from and who he is. 
And of course, his performance. It was so fucking visceral. It was very, very good. I mean, huge. And I, you know, I, I kind of need to like look up and see some of the things that he's been in because I, I don't know that I can like rattle things off the top of my brain, but I'm certainly doing that. From our deep dive into Maniac, continuing our month of wood, <laughs> at RL Terry one said, this is one of those remakes that I like more than the OG, but what I like even more than that version is 2001 Maniacs with uh, Robert England and Shay Lynn Shay. Although Maniac 2012 certainly serves up more substantive material to discuss. I haven't seen 2001 Maniacs, have you? Is it Maniacs from 2001? No, it's it called really 2001 cool? Maniacs. Oh my God. No, I haven't ever even heard of it then. <laughs> Me either, really. He commented that, and I was just like, I don't think we've seen this. <laughs> so, but, I mean, Robert England and Lynch, I mean, I'm sure that it's good. So That's horror royalty across the board. Like, how is this not something I know about? I know. I, I have added it to a list, you know, so I will be watching it. And <clears throat> RL Terry won, if, um, if I see no, like like cross between maniac and this one i'm gonna come for you and say why did you (laughs) recommend it matt over on facebook said yeah it sounds like the director was saying that he was trying not to glorify violence and murder or whatever but he still accidentally just copy pasted the old moral panic horror of the 80s true yeah i mean i think we talked about that in the episode right yeah and he was trying to say that he was trying to do the nausea horror and that he wasn't trying to glorify the violence. He was trying to make you feel it to, to, to you know, make you be repulsed by it. But that's not quite what happened because it was still like kind of a technical goal to do the POV thing. And it didn't super serve the story in the way he was trying to make it serve the story. I don't think. Yeah. Still, I mean, I don't want to say a good time, but it was an interesting time. And I mean, he did by, by keeping in some of those like sexual situations of him, like witnessing his mother doing that. He really did. And he was killing people that he was attracted to for the most part. So, yeah, he, he was just doing the same thing that the 80s did. And maybe we missed some sort of like tongue in cheek or like homage reference to that. But I really didn't get that he was doing something different than we'd already seen in the 80s. Yeah, no. And, and it kind of doubled down on the, oh, my God, kids saw too much sex and now he's a killer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's right. Scalping. Scalping after brushing hair. Clearly. And from our deep dive into Suspiria. Well, that's an old one. Literally our second deep dive ever. Dev from Instagram said, just stumbled upon your Suspiria episode and loved it. I truly loved how you talked about Susie. She is sometimes underrated. You really got the movie. And I'm so glad Chris didn't have some annoying retaliation that many newcomers seem to have that didn't experience Suspiria at a younger age. Because of my love for uh, the 77 version, I just did not like the new one. I couldn't let go, I guess. I'm glad it was its own thing, but blah. Well, thank you for listening to our episode from so long ago. I'm glad that people are still stumbling across it. Um, Yeah. And and we love to hear comments about those episodes. I think we just went back and did intros to copycat and Suspiria not too long ago at the suggestion of one of our listeners uh, to to kind of say that we sound better now because that was with like our our first kind of mic setup and everything. So I'm glad people are going back there and listening and commenting. We will put in and actually focus on comments from old episodes. We want people to search our catalog and look for movies that you haven't seen yet. Look for movies that you love, you know, and comment on those because we see those comments and we will respond to them. That's right. If you've just found us, I mean, like we have talked about 
a veritable shit ton of movies, right? Either in a hot take form or a deep dive or a top 10. I mean, like if there's a horror movie that you love, chances are we've mentioned at least once in this podcast. Yeah. So go back and listen. I did comment to him and tell him that we had a hot take episode on the new Suspiria and told him that we, I mean, I mean, I remember liking it. I I think you liked it more on a second watch or did you not? I I liked it less on a second watch, I think. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think I gave it like four stars at first and then I had to reset to three. Well, we still have that hot take episode. So if you know, Dev, if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to it. Yeah. Over on Patreon, we had a Flamers flashback episode on The Good Son, which was chosen by our patrons during our month of wood. And Bennett said, I still haven't seen this movie, but I remember seeing it at the video store growing up. I could tell they were trying to make casting Macaulay Culkin as a bad seed type seem like a shocking choice. But really, after those Home Alone hijinks, it looked more like a natural progression. It's so hilarious that he said that. We did comment back. We replied... (coughs) Agreeing with him wholeheartedly that he's basically a serial killer at this point. But, you know, it's funny because I think the the Corridor crew, they do FX uh, commentary and FX like contests and stuff with, with themselves on uh, YouTube. And they actually made it into a horror movie and they made all of the uh, the hijinks that he does to those robbers. They made it like real gore and they made it like blood splattering and <laughs> it, was, it was great. So I might have to link it in the show notes. Yeah, he really does seem to like to hurt people in movies, right? So, I mean, (laughs) come on. (laughs) It is a natural progression. Yeah. Also on our episode of The Good Son, Erica from the Unsung Horrors podcast on Instagram said, The most killable kid in the 90s, Jacob's Ladder, My Girl, The Good Son. And I love every one of those deaths. I didn't know he was in Jacob's Ladder. I totally forgot that, too, until she commented it. Hmm. And I don't remember him dying. I'm going to have to rewatch that movie, although I feel like I just watched it a couple years ago. I remember him dying in My Girl, that's for sure. Yeah, and that was super traumatizing as a kid to me. <laughs> did you? Did I send you that that uh, poster, the fake poster for the sequel that was like the good man or whatever? The good and man. It was like <laughs> Macaulay Culkin was back, and it was them both of them. I don't know. It was funny. <laughs> no, it was funny. I know that Erica really appreciates when horror movies will like show a child dying, and so like I, when she says that she loved every one of those deaths, I do not doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> so. So we have a whole slew of emails and voicemails and questions from our listeners. And we're going to start with an email from Cassidy. And this actually should have been on our September Shooting the Flames episode. So Cassidy, we're sorry that we missed it. But we're here to talk about it now. And she says, hello, Chris and Robert. It's been such a pleasure to listen to the two of you review movies. I listen at work, which can be soul draining. Agreed. (laughs) So having something fun and intelligent makes up for the work. Thanks for being part of that. I'm a huge horror fan, probably thanks to my mom showing me Child's Play way too young. It brings me joy to hear love for Halloween 3. It's such a dark movie and has the best countdown jingle to Halloween ever. How dare anyone dislike it? Hmm. I would love for you to cover Death Becomes Her and or The Love Witch. These are two fascinating movies connected by magic, strong women, obsession... I love the variety of horror you cover, the list you make, and look forward to the next episode's best C. Yes, and I promptly replied to this email and told her that not only are we going to be doing Death Becomes Her next comedy month, which is traditionally April, but we are also going to be doing Drop Dead Gorgeous. That's right. We're still looking forward to watching both those movies. Mm-hmm. So, And The Love Witch is an incredible movie, which I'm sure that we will talk about at some point on the podcast. Yeah. So. And as for your love of Halloween 3, 
I'm right there with you. I mean, it's one of my favorite horror movies. Probably my favorite Halloween sequel, even though it has nothing to do with the franchise itself. So yeah. I feel you. It's okay. And I liked it the first time around. Um, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan, but, you know, it kind of grew on me. Kind of like mold or something. <laughs> like a fungus. <laughs> like a creeping fungus. It just burrows its way into your life and heart. <laughs> Maybe it's the jingle. <laughs> Ten more days to Halloween. 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 Uh, it's just London Bridge, right? Silver Shamrock. <laughs> and the Land of Enchantment Lobo sent us an email and said, October is here and time for my seasonal watch of Sleepy Hollow. I must confess there was a method to the madness when I took a circuitous route to mention the film in your July Shooting the Flames, in which I shamelessly plug here. But I was left wondering if the film flamers did deep dive Sleepy Hollow with which other feature film would they pair it? So many ways to go with this. A Tim Burton double feature, Johnny Depp, or even the Wes Craven helmed, oft maligned, and Harvey Weinstein sabotaged, cursed. <laughs> a 2005 film starring Christina Ricci. Ever see that one? Happy Halloween 2021. Oh, and watch your heads. That's a good question. What would we pair Sleepy Hollow with? You know, it's funny. I think that might actually have been one of the first horrors I've ever seen. And it was the... Um, it wasn't called Sleepy Hollow. It was the, the Disney short. It was like the Tales of Ichabod oh, Crane. Oh, Ichabod or, Crane. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Totally. When I was a kid, I watched that shit all the time. It I creeped me cartoon. out. Yeah, it scared the shit out of me when I was like five years old. I do like Sleepy Hollow as a movie. I thought it was really good. I don't know that I would want to pair another Tim Burton movie with that. Because I think... Yeah. Too much of Tim Burton goes a very long way. If I did pair it with anything, it might be like Demon Barber of, of Fleet Street or something. I don't know. Johnny Depp. Oh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah. yeah. That's like Johnny Depp and Tim Burton, right? Didn't he direct that movie? Well, they're, I, he, I think so. And they're both kind of turn of the century, right? So they're both around the same yeah. time. I think I would go a different route and say like Johnny Depp and Tim Burton and like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, even though I didn't like that movie, it was kind of scary. I don't want to deep dive that. <laughs> I mean, I don't really either, but <laughs> it seems like an I'd rather deep dive pairing. the first one. The and I, don't, I mean, I have seen Cursed and I didn't hate it. Mm. so i don't know yeah i don't know maybe something else with christina ricci instead i don't know i don't know i just don't know yeah i don't think we have an answer to that why don't you land of enchantment lobo tell us what you think the perfect double feature with that movie is mm -hmm. maybe we'll consider it at Itza Mario sent us an email, and um, I think it's one of the first from him. Normally he just comments, and he says, Hello, Film Flamers, it's me, Itza Mario, from Twitter. I hope you both are well. I have been enjoying your episodes, but haven't been engaging on Twitter as much recently for a variety of reasons. I tend to listen on my walks to and from work, and by the time I get to my destination, I've forgotten what I wanted to say. I've been enjoying a month off of work, and even though my state in Australia has been on lockdown for a few months now, I've found being away from work to be so good for me right now. A few walks here and there, some books, finishing off Stephen King's Night Shift collection, love it, before I start Something Wicked This Way Comes, and plenty of movies. I watched the first two Purge movies, Anarchy is Better Than the Original, finished my Nightmare on Elm Street rewatch, I love New Nightmare so much, revisited Wolf Creek 2, so brutal, I now understand that... Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 comparisons. Watch the Rob Zombie Halloween films. Brutal, with plenty of dislikable characters. The sequel was better. Watch The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. R Rebecca De Mornay is relentless in this. The Eyes of My Mother, very intense from start to finish. And I love the look of it. 
and finally watched Salem's Lot for the first time. Really felt for the Mark character. I'm excited about some of the movies coming soon, though I'm not sure when cinemas will open again here and whether I feel comfortable going back anytime soon. Dune has already been pushed back in Australia. I know a few movies are doing the same day and date streaming in the US, but not sure if that will extend to other parts of the world. Looking forward to Elijah Woodmonth, Sweet Dreams, Mario. Yeah, he sent this right... Uh, as we were recording. Uh, So this is like a month, at least a month old. So we're sorry for the delay, but here it is. First of all, Night Shift is like the best Stephen King short story collection. It's so good. And like every story in it is amazing. I hope that you enjoyed it very much. And Something Wicked This Way Comes is my favorite Bradbury. So also a good choice. The Purge movies, I like... Although I think a lot of people don't seem to do that, but I still I haven't watched a single one of them, which makes me sad. Like deep down in my heart, like really, <laughs> like you what am I doing? It's not as very good. They're not. I mean, everyone I, I talk them. to says like I'm like I'm interested <laughs> in the sociopolitical aspects of the first one, and I ask about that. And I'm like, do they explore that at all? And everyone I talk to is like, not really. You know, I'm like, okay, well, fuck it. Well, they change the sociopolitical aspects like throughout the thing. I mean, like one day we'll sit down and watch them together, I guess. But I might just have to watch Apocalypse to skip straight to the Apocalypse. And having just come off watching Midnight Mass, of course, like Salem's Lot has been like high on my brain. I have not watched the original Toby Hooper Salem's Lot in many, many years, probably since I was a teenager. And so I'm super interested to both like reread that book and watch that movie again. I think it was a miniseries, but. A lot of people got the Stephen King thing and the reviews I was reading on Letterboxd, but a couple actually called out Salem's Lot specifically. And one person uh, jokingly said, this is the best, this is the best adaption of Salem's Lot yet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for real though, because right away I was just like, oh, Salem's Lot. Yep. (laughs) And I think you're really looking forward to Dune, aren't you? I mean, like. I, I, yeah, I was more, but then Denis Villeneuve said some bad things about Marvel movies. And then I listened to the Hans Zimmer score and just sounds like generic McPlain rap Hans Zimmer, you know, so I'm a little less excited about it and a little more excited about other things, you know, especially since it's October now, you know, I feel like I've been hearing and seeing trailers and now I listen to the whole soundtrack of Dune and it's still not here. And I'm just like, well, fuck it. I'm over it now. Well, and things from Venice were kind of mixed. I mean, I still want to see this movie and I do want to see it in the theater. So I'm sorry that Doom was pushed back for you. I mean, I, I hope that it'll eventually make its way to you quickly. But um, you may hear from us before you get to see it, how yep. we feel about it. We've got some voicemails from Bennett. I already love his voicemails, so let me hear these. We'll start with uh, this first voicemail it was actually given to us. Before last shooting the flames, I think, but we just couldn't fit it in. So let's do it now. Hey, Tired Queens. This is Bennett again. I'm probably calling too much, but uh, I, I know you've, you've gotten nearly as many voicemails in the past as you'd like. So I thought I'd help out anyway. Anyway, I just finished listening to one of your guys' uh, old shooting the flames episodes from last year, where at some point uh, the topic of Deep Impact versus Armageddon came up there. I'm very glad to hear that you guys uh, prefer the former Deep Impact there because uh, I saw it on video as a kid. I remember thinking, eh, that was okay. I don't think I like it nearly as much as you guys. But God, Armageddon, I knew. I saw that when I, on my 13th birthday, and I, even though I didn't know that much, about the filmmaking process at that age, I could, I knew it was a fucking piece of shit there. Uh, and, uh, I was trying to think. I remember the directing, thinking the directing was horrible, the editing was horrible. You can't put too much blame on the editors because they're just working with what they have. And, you know, Michael, 
doesn't give you that much good stuff to work with there. God, we need to come up with a nickname, a mid- middle name for him, either Michael Dipshit Bay or Michael Doosbag Bay or something. God, I fucking hate his shit. Anyway, uh, but I remember walking – it was the first time I remember walking out of a movie as a, as a kid and feeling supremely disappointed. And I remember going home, you know, sitting in front of my birthday cake and still feeling disgusted with the two-and-a-half-hour experience I had at that time. Some film critic had – I think described it as sitting next to a machine gun firing, you know, at the same setting for two and a half hours. I wish I could remember who wrote that, but that's a really apt uh, depiction of it there. I also remember thinking, oh, shit, I have to start school the next day. So I was like, God, this is the worst. Half. <laughs> anyway, just thought I'd share that little tidbit, let a little memory. and I'm glad we're on the same page on that, too. <laughs> have a good one and sweet dreams. I could stay awake just to hear you dreaming. <laughs> I can't even like follow up with that lyric. God, that sounds like the worst birthday ever. I'm so sorry. Ben. And they came out around the same time, and I was like singing the praises as a kid about Deep Impact versus Armageddon, and everyone was like, "No, Armageddon's amazing." Fucking no, they were all wrong. Michael Dipshit Bay, really? No, that's a disservice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Michael Dipshit Bay, <laughs> Michael Douchebaguette Bay. <laughs> I don't like a single one of his movies except The Island. And the first like half to three fourths of that movie is almost like Arthur C. Clarkian. It's really, really fucking good. And it doesn't deserve to be because at the end it kind of devolves into a Michael Bay explosion fest. But overall, I'd have to say it's a good movie. And I would I would recommend people watch The Island. And it has uh, Scarlett Johansson and Ewan McGregor as the leads. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Yeah, you should. It's good. Okay. I'll take your recommendation. But yeah, Deep Impact for the win. Always and forever. Yeah. I listen listen to that soundtrack. It makes me cry. That entire movie made me cry. I saw that in the theater. I mean, I was much older than 13. I'm sorry, Bennett. I'm far older than you. And like my 17 year old self or whatever I was, was just like weeping the entire fucking time. (laughs) I love Deep Impact. Well, there's a film and a feeling. There is one moment from Armageddon that I still like. And that's when Steve Mushimi is is like uh, goes crazy and starts like fake galloping on on this nuclear bomb. And someone turns to him and says, get off the nuclear warhead. (laughs) That's hilarious. I don't know. That's a a better takeaway. I've really taken that entire movie and blocked it completely out of my consciousness. I'll never watch it again. I remember actively being disgusted by Ben Affleck on uh, Liv Tyler. I just remember actively being turned off by that. And the only thing I like from that movie is that fucking song you were just singing. <laughs> so I mean, I'm gone. I don't okay. want to close my eyes. So that just, and that song actually I associate more with the sweetest thing when the whole crowd is singing that to try and get the girl with the guy's cock up her mouth with the cock ring stuck <laughs> to, to relax her throat so that she can. If you haven't seen The Sweetest Thing, just watch it for that scene alone. Oh my god, I forgot about that moment in that movie. I'm so glad you made me watch that, because it's so enjoyable. Much better than Armageddon. Yes. <laughs> I think we have another voicemail from Bennett, this time talking about Maniac. Hello, Tired Queens. This is Bennett uh, calling. Uh, I recently listened to your episode on Maniac, the, the newer, newer version. Uh, I've yet to watch that. And based on what I've heard, I don't know if I'm really going to get around to that or not. I don't know if I'll really be my thing or not there. But I have seen the original one from 1980 there. And I did it. was lucky enough to actually see 
uh, several years ago, see a restored print of it there on film there. So that was so that was an experience there. Uh, I've kind of mixed about the film as a whole, but it was still um, still worthwhile. I saw that someone actually took me to see it on a date, believe it or not. So it was, it was a good date movie. So it's free kind of there. Anyway, I was I mean, in relation to that. I did like your little rendition of the song Maniacs from Flashdance there. But I wanted to ask if you guys are um, know anything or are familiar with uh, rumors about um, that song actually having some kind of loose connection to the 1980s film Maniac there. I've heard conflicting things like the the uh, writer on that song, Michael Cimbello, I think is his name there, um, had it was either either wrote that song uh, originally while watching that movie and used that as inspiration and had different lyrics for it, but then someone involved on Flashdance like had heard a demo of that song and decided, ooh, if we just change the lyrics in this, this could be a hit or something there. And that's one version I've heard, which kind of makes some sense there. The other version I've heard is from uh, different memes that have gone around on the Internet is that the song was originally written for Maniac, but then, like, changed the lyrics when someone in Flashdance wanted to use it or something. And but all, Either way, I know it was disqualified from the Oscars when it got nominated because it supposedly wasn't um, original enough for the Academy when it got nominated or something like that. Some weird thing. Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there and see if you guys are know anything about that there. I just thought I'd discuss that if you if you get this message there. Alrighty, sweet dreams. Yeah, I have no idea about the song. I like the song very yeah. much. I mean, I love Flashdance. I listen. It's it's on multiple playlists of mine. I didn't know any of those things, but I think they're probably urban. Legend. Yeah, it's interesting, but it does sound kind of urban legendy to me. Yeah, Flashdance forever, really, and. To be fair, if Maniac were nominated for an Academy Award, it was never going to beat Irene Kira's song from Flashdance anyway. Mm. So, though I think that you should watch Maniac. Don't again, like we said in that episode, like just because we have some negative things to say doesn't mean you shouldn't watch a movie. We'd like to know what you and everyone else thinks about it. Maybe. Or don't. <laughs> <laughs> or save us some time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. God. Yeah, I can't actually recommend that movie. So, I mean, if you don't want to watch it and you just want to comment on our episode, which you already have done, then good on you. I think just listen to that song over and over again. Yeah, That's enough. Actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't we just do that to begin with? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we were singing it anyway during the episode. <laughs> and he's scalping like he's never scalped before. <laughs> the next time we'll just make a TikTok of our feet, like dancing up and down like she does on Maniac. That's yeah. that's all we needed to do. I think all our singing is actually ending ending up in the outtakes. So stay tuned for Christmas, people. You're gonna hear some mm. Maniac singing from that episode. We'll be merry. We didn't have any new patrons this month, so. Um, we'd like to have some more, so head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers, join the family, get all the bonus content that we have over there, but we are going to shout out our patrons at the Film Flamer tier or higher. That's right. And that is Ben, Dr. Joe, Kimberly, Lisa, and Penelope. Thanks again, you guys, for being so faithful to us over on Patreon, and come on, everyone, let's add to the family. That's right. Give us some holiday cheer. Ho, ho, ho. I was talking about Halloween. Oh. <laughs> Horror news. 
So we're getting a season three of Netflix's The Movies That Made Us, and they're going to be spotlighting a lot more horror this season, probably because the season's dropping in October. But That's right. And they'll be covering Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Robocop, and Aliens. And the trailer to this looks pretty amazing. Lots of good talking heads, lots of history involved. And I mean, the other seasons of the show are kind of good, but... They're pretty like lax on the horror, so I'm pretty happy that they're doing these movies. Do you think it's going to be as good as Eli Roth's? I mean, it's a different kind of show yeah. altogether. I mean, like these. I mean, also in this season, they're doing movies like Elf, you know. And so I'm like, is that really one of the movies that made us? Yeah, I still really? haven't seen that. Elf. Yeah. I don't think you have to really. Thank you. It's, I mean, it's okay. I have so many it's things like the to do with my time. <laughs> No, an elf is not one of them. Yeah, I'd rather rock back and forth on a dark corner, which is my normal Tuesday night. But a better Tuesday night would be watching the Aliens episode of the movies that made us, right? We've already covered this movie, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that everything they will present to you will be things you already know, but still. Well, we got more casting news for Netflix's Wednesday Addams series from Tim Burton. That's right. Uh, Jenna Ortega from The Babysitter, Killer Queen, is going to be starring as Wednesday Addams. And Gwendolyn Christie of Game of Thrones fame has been cast as her principal. That's an odd choice. I thought she would be part of the family or something. I mean, it seems better to her to be an Addams, right? I mean, that's what I thought as well. Yeah. I just want like that chick that played Harmony. <laughs> back in oh my god from buffy yeah. <laughs> they have to bring her back at least some point yeah. she needs to be some some person in that show she should be the principal really oh my god <laughs> i feel like i could have cast this better with my ass really because what's already been announced is louise guzman he was always great but as as gomez right and then Catherine zeta jones as morticia which i can see but i just feel like there's a billion other better choices out there and maybe i'm wrong maybe this is gonna be great but i don't know so it's it's described as a sleuthing, supernaturally infused mystery. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when I read that in the article, I was just like, well, I don't, I'm less on board now. And then I read this quote that said, quote, Wednesday Adams attempts to master her emerging psychic ability, thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town, and solve the supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating her new and very tangled relationships. It almost sounds like a Sabrina clone, really. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and it's Tim Burton, so maybe it'll be really good. But everything that I read in this article, I'm just like... Is Tim Burton good post-2000? I'm I'm not sure. Is he good past, like, the 90s? <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, there's a big exception with Big Fish. But I, I'm just not I sure. Know. It's just, I feel like there's a curse. Ever since Raul Julia died, I feel like it's just like studios like how might we fuck up this franchise even more and they've continued to do so i keep hearing that the cartoon is very good yeah, vo- you know with morticia I mean? voiced by charlie's theron or whatever the fuck <laughs> yeah i mean but i i don't know i just i haven't watched it yet so maybe maybe it's excellent and maybe this will be too but uh just based on this article which we will link to in the show notes um i'm saying probably not <sighs> jesus Jesus, Mary, and Morticia. <laughs> Pastels. Speaking of things no one asked for, there's a Lost Boys remake headed to the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to star Noah Jupe from A Quiet Place and Jaden Martell from It. Okay. 
And that's all the news we have, <laughs> except for what you just said. Because, I mean, why? <laughs> I mean, and it's going to be said in, like, modern day. I'm like, no. I <laughs> Now, don't come for me, but the first one was barely good, okay? I'm going to try not to come for you, because I love that movie. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I've said before in the podcast that I'm okay with remakes, and I'll watch them, and I'll watch this one, too. But, but why? <laughs> yeah, my problem with The Lost Boys is that I didn't have the nostalgia filter. I didn't see it when I was a kid. Or a teenager. Yeah, that's probably it. Because I've watched it several times as an adult, and it's not as as fun. Yeah, I watch it now, and it just feels like a, a long, like mediocre Buffy episode or something. You know, or like some really shitty music video. Probably like because both Buffy you. and Angel like riffed off it a little bit in some episodes. You know what I mean? But so we'll see what that remake has in store for us. But um, again, with all these news items we'd like to know what y'all think about it i mean if you're really clamoring for a lost boys remake you can let us know coming soon we have a treasure trove of trailers this month my god i completely agree you were it seemed like you were sending them to me left and right from muppets to vampires we uh, just have an embarrassment of riches that's right and some new extremity to talk about that's right starting with night teeth it's on netflix coming this october and night teeth just looks amazing it's like a a guy that's a driver i guess like a limo driver um as a spirit like a side hustle or whatever his side job while he's like going to school or something and he meets like these these girls and they're going from club to club he finds out they're vampires and he has to basically drive from them from bloodbath to bloodbath and it looks like it is a shit ton of fun Yes, (laughs) is all that I have to say about this movie. I mean, I'm so excited to watch this. There's a lot of things coming out in October that I'm ready for, like Halloween Kills. But this has made it to the top of my fucking watch list. It looks like so much fun. Speaking of so much fun, we've got Miss Piggy in a Fortune Teller's Crystal Ball. I appreciate the Muppets on a very deep level. And I love this trailer, obviously. Mm -hmm. And... um, all I'm missing really is the Swedish chef. I didn't see him in there anywhere. Oh, I'm sure he is chopping up some entrails somewhere. I saw your other one in a my, painting in a haunted painting. My favorite one is, um, I, I like, I like Beaker as well. <laughs> yeah. And it's him and Bunsen is like those, those busts, right? Like on the thing. He's like me. <laughs> I mean, fuck it. Yeah. I'm going to watch the shit out of this. <laughs> Oh, but um, I'm really looking forward to this movie called Titan, right? And I just played at Venice, I think, or maybe even Toronto Film Festival. So people have seen it, but it looks like full on French extremity. And of course, in English, it's and, ti- uh, titanium is what it, that literally translates to. It's just titanium. Oh, really? Yes. My French is that rusty then? I didn't know that. <laughs> maybe I just said another word for titanium. I don't, I don't know why I would say that in no, France. Anyway. Can't, it's hard to work in conversation, I'm sure. I'm not it's not on a menu. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> all I do is eat and drink there. Uh, but this movie, I mean, like, here's what gets me worried, though, is when I see all these, like, critic responses to it saying, like, the most fucked up movie ever. Well, it got the Palme d'Or at Cannes. So it's, it's got, like, a 90-something yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. It's already released there. So it's, like, it's going to be good. I mean, I know it is. And, like, this woman made a movie that came out a couple years ago called Raw, which is also a really good French movie about, like, cannibalism. And I just, I, I love that movie. This one looks 
kind of fucked up. And when someone says it's fucked up, but also endearing or whatever, I'm like, okay, like sign me up really. And there hasn't been an extremity movie that I just really dislike. It's fucked up, disgusting, but also endearing. And this director is known for her body horror. So exactly. And I, I really can't tell what the movie's about. I've like stayed away from any synopses or any, I didn't even like watch the trailer until today before we were making notes for this this episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm I'm going to watch it. It actually comes out on uh, October the first, and so if I can find a theater that has it, I will watch it. And this episode will probably drop after that. Okay, so we'll see. Yeah. Next up, we've got Nightmare Alley, the latest from Guillermo del Toro, who is not just producing but also directing, right? And this is coming out in December. And this looks interesting. It almost looks like a um, it's kind of like a car- carnivaly kind of thing, almost Tim Burtony in a way, but in a Guillermo del Toro kind of Pan's Labyrinth kind of slant. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. It is English language. Um, it's got some recognizable faces. I, I thought it was like a mini series because it just seems like so much is going on. But apparently, it's a full blown movie. And I mean, I've sort of been following the production of this film, right? I know that it's a really popular novel that a lot of people in the community like. Um, I didn't think that it was very horror adjacent ish i mean i thought it was barely but based on the trailer it seems really good and kind of dark and has a lot of really good actors in it and i know that it's got a lot of buzz and so i'm really you know excited to see like exactly what it is and after guillermo del toro's last best picture winner like he needs to do something that's really good or actually good yeah yeah or actually good (laughs) because that movie was trash (laughs) it's kind of overrated (laughs) Kind of. I mean, I don't know. I don't meet that many people who are like, oh my God, have you seen The Shape of Water? It's so good. And if I did, I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong yeah, with Yeah, I don't you? trust what people think are as endearing after an Oscar winning movie that has, is just a story about someone fucking a fish. So, yeah, I was like actively turned off by that movie. I was like, what's going on? Well, it killed the fucking cat and it lost me after that. So, I don't know. I mean, it's safe to say we shan't be deep diving into The Shape of Water. <laughs> so. So next up, we've got Encounter from Amazon coming also in December. And this stars Riz Ahmed and Octavia fucking Spencer. I mean, honestly, you had me at Riz Ahmed, but especially Octavia Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure this they're holding the, the cars really close to the chest on this one, but it looks like it could be some sort of alien encounter. I mean, that's the, the word I would yeah. associate with that, right? And... Um, it, he, it looks like he's changing somehow or is changed into some sort of changing into some sort of like monstrous form or an alien himself or something else. And like he's being hunted or something and he's got a child that he's got to take care of. And, and Octavia Spencer is looking very pensively at the screen and I am sold. I mean, really, she always does it. as long as she does that. Really, she, it's all that I she need. She purses her <laughs> Octavia Spencer lips and just looks like <laughs> the universe is in her eyes, and That's I belong right. to her. It looks like like she's looking at her next Oscar <laughs> every single time she does that. Really, <laughs> so I'm here for yeah. it. And Riz Ahmed is so fucking hot. I don't know. There's just something about him when I see him on screen. I'm like, damn. You like very like bird like. <laughs> men i've i've seen <laughs> i have a type chris you can't blame me for What's that the actor that was on the piano and then he made out with halle berry on stage when he won his oscar oh adrian yeah. brody you, you like yeah, adrian i don't really brody want to fuck him anymore i mean but it's a nose is what it is yeah. i mean like you like pr- frankly, the prominent like a, narrow noses i like a 
like a prominent nose. <laughs> And Octavia Spencer. So, I mean, I'll watch this movie for sure. <laughs> for those reasons alone. <laughs> Plus it's genre. But. <laughs> no, you want to have an encounter. Uh, <laughs> well, now I need to take another break. Um, so we have a really tiny, tiny trailer, a teaser, if you will, for something that I've also been following the production of. And that is the tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. And this is directed by Joel Cohen. For for the first time without his brother, right? Yeah, I think so. And starring um, Francis McDormand. (coughs) Nepotism. Excuse me. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) She deserves to be in every film, Cohen or not. And Denzel Washington. And I mean, like, it's a really short trailer, but my God, the fucking atmosphere, right? And all they have to do is have like one line from that fucking play. And I'm sold. Just sold. Yeah. So bring on the Shakespeare. What'd you think of it? Oh, I, I think it looks great. I, I love black and white when it's done right. And this looks like it's done very, very much right. Um, there seems to be like a fog of war in the cinematography in this. And I really, really love that because it's kind of part of the DNA of that play. Right. What do they call it on stage? The something, the Scottish play, the Scottish play. You're not supposed to say that. Yeah. You, can, you can't say Macbeth. if you're in it. It's bad luck. Break a leg. Right. I know. So. Yeah. There's a really funny like Simpsons episode where they do that, where they keep saying Macbeth to Ian McKellen and he like keeps getting like struck by lightning and signs falling on him and shit. Like it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. Frances McDormand, all she had to do was just turn around and look pensively at the camera, just like Octavia Spencer did and what Neither of these trailers has those two women speak of a fucking word. All they're doing is looking at the camera and we're like that just sold five hundred thousand (laughs) tickets. For real. And we're also like, the Academy Award goes to either one of them, really. Yeah. I mean, gone. <laughs> Probably Frances, though. She's got the better track record. I mean, she, all she may do in that movie is like turn around and look at a camera and then wash blood off her hands. And I'd be like, bravo. I, <laughs> I want to live in a world where those roles are reversed. Oh, you want to see Octavia Spencer play Lady yeah. Macbeth? I would love that. <laughs> I'm here for that shit. Hell yeah. We could write that movie. Because Frances McDormand has yet to star in a genre film other than her very first. So Yeah, she's overdue. I mean, this is kind of like horror adjacent I mean, Macbeth is kind of horror. Mm-hmm. So Wait, who's our who's the horror Frances McDormand? She was in Hereditary. Tony yeah. Collette. She's the horror Frances McDormand. <laughs> oh, I think I'm gonna bleed. <laughs> <laughs> Fargo mm. reference for you there. No, no, I have to watch Hereditary again. And Fargo. <clears throat> and Fargo. <laughs> so we also have a movie coming out um, called Moonfall, directed by Roland Emmerich. Yeah, of Independence Day fame. That's right. And he's continuing his tradition of doing disaster films by having a movie about the moon colliding with the Earth. Yes, but I think they're, they're holding a little bit close to the chest on this one, too, because I think it's really about aliens. I hope so. Because there's some weird things going on in that trailer that they're not talking about, but all they're showing is the moon like kind of crashing into the earth. So it's like two hours of planets colliding, and I'm here for it. I mean, I... It sounds like a gummy and popcorn to me, so... I mean, for real. (laughs) Like two gummies and popcorn. Minus popcorn. Um, I (laughs) love disaster movies. I just do... And so I'm like, I will watch them. Except for Armageddon. That one's dead to me. But... Every other disaster movie, I think, is fantastic. I just like to see like people in terrible situations, like barely surviving. I, just, I mean, maybe I'm a horror fan. Who knows? <laughs> but I don't know. I love disaster movies, and I'll watch this. So, yeah. 
Bring it on, Roland. Did he, yeah, Day After Tomorrow is like with the ice. They're like Michael Bay movies, just not as dumb, <laughs> but <laughs> still very Day. dumb. <laughs> and lastly is the Netflix first look of The Sandman. By Neil Gaiman. I feel like that we talked about some sort of promo. That yeah, it was a, it was uh, him yeah. like walking through. It was Neil Gaiman actually like walking through the sets mm-hmm. and being excited and a little bit of a cast interview, but it was pretty short too. This one's an actual like teaser trailer, right? And it has Charles Dance in it, and we get to see the Sandman. We get to see the sets and the effects, and it looks amazing. I have to agree with you. I wasn't very excited about this because I I don't I know literally nothing about those graphic novels, right? Except that Tori Amos has an appearance in it. You know what I mean? And so, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you mean lesbian? <laughs> But it looks really good, like much better than I was expecting. And so I'm totally on board with it, like for real. I don't, I mean, I, I can't even quite put my emotions like where they need to be with this. I just know that I want to watch it. And I wasn't expecting to, to feel that way when I watched this trailer. So yeah. queer. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that Tori Amos is on it. <laughs> <laughs> She's in the fucking graphic novel. He drew her. They're friends. They're friendly. She like she mentions Neil Gaiman all the time in her songs. No. And I'm also in this like Tori Amos thing because her new album's coming out. Whatever, it's fine. I'll shut up now. Fuck it. Well, speaking of revelations, no one asked for. This episode's over. <laughs> These two big sweeties are coming to a close. <clears throat> Our gaping holes are closing. <laughs> My sweaty gaping. Hole. <laughs> I'm talking about our mouths. <laughs> Your mouth, mouth. <laughs> and now I'm just like descending. I know because I am so fucking hot right now in this attic that I'm I recording in. Let's get it done. <laughs> well, I think that just about wraps up our episode of shooting the flames for October. We're so happy that it's spooky season and we have a lot of stuff coming out for you this month because we are talking about what Halloween. Is, that's right. Halloween's technically talking about the 1978 version and the spiritual successor from 2018. That's right. And maybe a little hot take on the latest release. That's right. Halloween Kills is coming out. Also, like we talked about, go to patreon.com. We're probably going to have another poll for you to pick our bonus episode. And we need some reviews. So, Apple Podcasts, guys, let us know why you like us. We're going to read that on the next Shooting the Flames. And that poll will be the Halloween sequels that we are not covering on the regular feed. So it could even be Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Cassidy. So head over to Patreon and vote in that right. poll. Right now. Immediately. Spit those dicks out <laughs> and run to the polls. Fuck <laughs> 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 you. Like election day. Wow. I have to vote. Let go of those stripper poles and run to the actual poles. <laughs> and we need more comments and questions and voicemails. And you can find us on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Or you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com. Or you could call us at 972 666 7733. Called now to touch my stingle. <laughs> Sorry, I just broke it. <laughs> oh, so much touching. <laughs> Many gaping. Much wow. Much wow. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, I think it's time that we head off into the night and start planning the rest of our spooky season, Chris. But let's start with some sweet dreams. dreams. Wow, that's bad. <laughs> so awful. <laughs> you want one more time? It's okay. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> no, I won't. There's our closing joke. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, fuck me. <sighs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>